Welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions that maximize your money and achieve your goals. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Max Finance Podcast. Uh, today, we're talking about the the always interesting, always thrilling topic of life insurance uh, plus disability insurance. Um, and, you know, I, I think this is likely coming on the heels of our uh, open enrollment uh, conversation, employee benefits conversation. Uh, if you haven't done that, make sure you take a listen there. Um, the, Probably a standalone episode, but we did reference uh, we would do uh, this episode. Um, I'm, I'm sure a fan favorite, a soon-to-be fan favorite. Um, maybe we start with life insurance first. This is a broad topic. Uh, there's there's all sorts of, of different um, types of, of life insurance. Um, but I guess when I present those two topics, is there anything that, that jumps out to you, Lauren? I don't think so. I think, um, I think just, (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not topics that are necessarily exciting, but I think they are, they are important. And so, uh, looking forward to, to sharing how we think about them. Yeah. So there's, um, yeah, I guess we'll dive right into the different types. Um, it is an important topic, like you say, um, and a lot of my clients isn't the first thing that they run rushed to me with, um, Unless, of course, they have a policy that they have to make some sort of decisions by. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe the two primary types, uh, maybe talking definitionally about permanent insurance versus term insurance. What do you see as the main differences there? I might flip that question back on you. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty aware what term life insurance is. I don't know what the, uh, I guess you call permanent life insurance. I'll Although the only thing I know is that it's probably not a not a great idea, or it's probably a, some sort of mixture of investment and life insurance in one. So, um, yeah, maybe you can tell tell the audience what what the differences are. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I refer to it as a permanent insurance policy, and, and um, you know, one one could say that you're you know you're buying a, a whole life policy uh, and then renting a term life policy for. A, a term, a period of time. Um, the whole life policy is just as typically as, as it's, it's meant to be for your entire life. Um, there are all sorts of subcategories, and I am by no means an expert in all of the different types of whole life uh, versus universal life versus, um, you know, the the insurance industry uh, is just making all sorts of different permutations and combinations of these different um, types of, uh, it seems like they're coming out with a new product. And, um, but, but the gist of it is you pay a premium for your whole life. You can also have a variety where you pay for a period of time. Maybe it's over 10 years. Um, You could also have like a lump sum that you, you pay. Um, And, and there can be some tax benefits in those vehicles. Um, But for, for at least for our purposes, I don't think we're going to go into all of the intricacies and, just really talk about what what are the goals of the life insurance uh, need there, and and 
to me, there's a clear winner. Um, I, I've taken a look. I, a lot of clients have come to me and they've had um, some of these whole life uh, policies uh, that were likely sold to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, there's, there's typically like a cash value component where uh it, it, it'll accumulate so you pay the premium and part of that premium goes to pay the cost of insurance part of that premium could also go into uh start accumulating a cash value um and and that those dollars are effectively invested by the insurance company right and um you know, so there's an investment component in in addition to the the, the life insurance component, um, and there's all sorts of kind of ways and marketing and and uh, at least in the tax code where you could um, one marketing pitch as well. It's the Roth for the rich because you could put a nice. bunch of money into yeah right good good marketing term. You could put a bunch of money into this policy and then you could take money out at any time uh, and and it's tax free. Uh, what that really likely means, and again, every policy is different. Um, so, I, you know, blanket statement incoming, but um, you're talking about uh, taking a loan from the policy. And so there's typically an interest rate associated with that. Um, you know, and then not to mention, are you, you got to continue paying the premiums. Um, you know, it's, it's not just the cost of the life insurance. It's, it's this administrative costs. There's, um, commissions that are going out on the back end for, uh, the agents that had sold you the policy. So it, it's just very convoluted. Um, it sounds you know, like it's designed to make it yeah confusing and make it hard for you to really understand what, what you're getting or what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really prefer the Kiss method on 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 a lot of different things with with relation to finance, and so trying, yeah, making sure you understand exactly what you have and what you're invested in, not having to rely on somebody that uh, sold you the policy or or so have to call in every time and and figure out what you can do with the policy. So yeah, there's all sorts of red flags. Um, now, now there could be legitimate reasons why you would want a permanent policy. Um, you know, for example, if you are a a very very wealthy individual and you anticipate own uh, owing uh, estate tax, um, which is effectively a tax, uh, you know, when you kick the bucket. And right now, uh, don't quote me on this, but effectively, if you're if you're a household a couple uh, with north of twenty four twenty five million dollar dollars in assets, um, there might be a, a desire to want to have life insurance because one of the overarching benefits, of course, is that the proceeds are paid out tax-free. Mm. So if we have any listeners out there who who have more than $24 million, please email us and, uh, <laughs> and we, if you're we'll, single, we'll get you a prize or a t-shirt or something. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, but, but yeah, this, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it affects very few, few people. Um, and, uh, another, another, even if you're below that, that threshold, another reason you may want whole life insurance is for, um, let's say you own a lot of illiquid assets. Maybe it's a business, maybe it's a bunch of properties. Um, instead of having, uh, your heirs, beneficiaries have to sell those assets at, at in fairly quick order in order to either, um, 
cover the ongoing mm. costs or uh, to avoid kind of headaches if, if there's partial or fractional ownerships amongst different people who are in different financial situations, you could have a policy set up so that um, that can help either cover the cost or you could have somebody just as the outright beneficiary there. So there's there's definitely circumstances when it could make sense. Um, but, but typically the cost of whole life insurance, because it's going for your entire life, they have to price that in. So it could be 10, 15, times more costly per year than uh, the term policy. And of course, there is a, a cash value. Um, the, the other thing I, I do want to mention is that there's also uh, what's called the surrender value or surrender charge that you might have to pay. If you, let's say, were sold this policy and you're a handful of years in, um, there's likely a, a, a schedule of fees that basically shows if you were to cash this in, you're going to have to forfeit X percentage of the overall cash value. So um, it, it can be a tough spot if you know. Again, you're only a couple years in. You're like, oh shoot, I, I might have gotten I might have gotten myself into something I don't really want. I was sold something that I didn't think I I, I ultimately needed. And so uh, d- yeah, depending on the situation, you may have to run the numbers to see. Okay, maybe we just wait until the surrender charge, which is typically about ten years, and they institute those because that's usually when the uh, agent who sold the policy. Uh, ends you know their commission trail ends at, at around the 10-year mark roughly speaking so yeah a lot to be said about uh about life insurance uh, about whole life insurance policy so much more of a fan of the term policy because you're just using it in a in a very pure sense yeah i mean i don't i mean i think of insurance as you're paying for something as a hedge against some relatively unlikely event and you're preventing that unlikely event from you know catastrophically if you know ruining your finances it doesn't have to be catastrophically but you're basically paying a premium to to lessen the impact of of that event um now everyone's gonna die right so the the concept of getting paid out even when you die and you're 99 years old to me that's you're not just buying insurance you're really just kind of buying some sort of future benefit um Whereas, you know, ter- term life insurance, right? You're paying for um, the, you're paying for a, a benefit that's paid out only if you die in during that term. So that could be what, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, and so if you, if you die in that period of time, then it's paid out. If you die afterwards, it's not paid out. Um, and so you're really just protecting against um, that, you know, that if you someone passing during that time period. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Very well said. So uh, it makes sense that the the, the premium pol- the premium the, the cost is is lower, um, and so you know at the end of the day these are contracts with the insurance company. So um, you really have to do your due diligence with who you are uh, making these uh, commitments with, these financial commitments with on either end. Um, and so definitely look to see how long these different companies uh, have been around and, and uh, you know, the, the, the rating, there's rating agencies that rate them. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but I think a really big or fundamental question that folks have is like, um, okay, maybe I, I, I don't know much about life insurance at all. Uh, maybe this is the first time I'm, I'm even thinking about it. Um, how much do I need? Um, I guess in your eyes, how did, how did, how do you think about that? Yeah, well, um, it came from really like 
what is our, our target sort of net worth or target portfolio value where we feel like we don't need to work any longer. Um, so that was definitely a, a big a part of that. Um, we also look, took stock of kind of what other, you know, what life insurance policies were provided by our employers. And we can talk about that. Oftentimes companies provide some amount of life insurance. Um, you know, usually it's some function of your salary. Um, and then we thought about, looked at kind of our ex- expenses, right? Like we look at our expenses today, but then, you know, what would expenses look like if um, either I or my wife passed? Um, would they be higher? Would they be lower? Um, and that really depends, you know, for some people that could actually be higher, um, but for some people it could be lower. So thinking about like, um, you know, and again, what is the goal? Is the goal to, to, to get this, to, if, if, if you pass is the goal to get your, you know, I guess, I guess it also depends on who are you supporting, who are you providing for? Right. So for me, it was, it was my wife. And at the time, my, my daughter, she was maybe just born. I think for, for us, that was sort of the, the catalyst to kind of get this, get our financial house in order in terms of life insurance was having a, having a child. But, you know, I think if, if someone depends on you uh, financially, I think that's definitely a good reason to consider life insurance. Um, so it's really just kind of figure out what is, what is the goal? Um, is it to, you know, to allow the, the person you provide for to essentially retire or is it allow them to, um, you know, continue on whatever path that you had planned on. Um, and so it, it really just depends on all of those things. Um, um, but I think, you know, having a good idea of what is, what is, the, what is the goal and, and what is it cost or what is it, requ- what's required to reach that goal, um, really help kind of, uh, help, help us figure that out. Yeah. I love the way you, you've described that. I, I would, would, uh, classify that as a, the needs based approach to, to, to figuring out how much life insurance you need. Um, before we talk about the different, different types and that, that that's a, a really good way. Um, I'm curious, and this isn't like a trick question whatsoever. I'm just, if you, if you weren't married and you didn't have kids, would, was, I mean, so back in the day was, was, uh, life insurance even a thing you even thought about? No, not for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I can imagine if you supported your parents, for instance, like, like, um, that's common in a lot of cultures or households where, you know, parents rely on their children. Um, so if, if, if the child were to pass and, you know, their parents relied on that income or some part of that income, I think life insurance is a, is a good, is a viable, you know, a solution to that, to that. Um, but for me, that's not something that I've, I've personally had the need for. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the the big thing, like you're, like you're saying is, is there a dependence on your income? Um, is anybody yeah, re- relying on you financially? Um, that, that could be a big thing. Um, if you, if you have debts, uh, sometimes folks just want to, I mean, I'd say most of the time, uh, it's hard for me to speak on every, every single debt, but I, I believe every, you know, all of the debt will, uh, uh, go away. If you were to, let's say you're, you've got a negative net worth. Um, but let's say, let's also say maybe if you've got a home, you buy this as a single person, you don't have a family and maybe your, your parents or other family members are not reliant on you, but you do have a, uh, a mortgage and maybe he's got student loans. And so maybe if you look at the balance, you've got a negative net worth. Um, if whether you've identified heirs or beneficiaries or not, uh, and it's, you know, tragically something happens to you, 
something happens with the property that you have. And so it could just end up going to uh, the bank to be sold off or I mean, typically there'll be an estate established. Um, and, and this is sort of goes hand in hand and maybe some future episode we'll talk about estate planning. Um, but in every state in the U.S., uh, there are estate laws uh, that that uh, dictate how property passes, even if you don't have a will in play. Um, and so, uh, yeah, th there may be a desire to just maybe you've got a, a charitable cause as well. Maybe you just want to have it on hand or maybe you just have it through work. A lot of times folks are initially exposed to life insurance through through group term policy at work. And maybe that's a, a derivative of, uh, you know, one times or two times your, your salary or something like that. Or, um, and, and so that'll suffice for the period of time and, until maybe there are folks that, that come into your life that are then now dependent on your, your income. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the biggest uh, element there is, is dependence on, on income um, in addition to maybe just a charitable cause. But yeah, let's maybe we focus on the different ways that, that you may think about uh, what, okay, uh, there are people, let's say you answered that question, yes, uh, keep going down the, the flow chart here and, and um, how much do you need? And okay, if we, if, if we sort of start, I mean, this podcast saying that whole life insurance is probably not the best and economical route to go, okay, now we're in the term life um, track. Uh, okay, well, how much, what, you know, what term do you need and, and how much? And so, um, you brought up a great, great way of thinking about it. I think that's probably one of the most holistic ways of thinking about it, um, where you 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 look to see uh, how much may be needed uh, to 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 shore up between where you are today and retirement, effectively, because mm -hmm. at retirement you have, in theory, all of the assets needed in order to to live the rest of your life. So. That's uh, for me a, a guiding point to to kind of start to show. Okay, well, when is retirement? Um, and you may need to end up doing. A, you may not know what that retirement number is uh, for you personally. Maybe you haven't gone through that exercise. Uh, maybe at that point you could just use a standard. Uh, in the U.S., like age sixty-five seems to stand out for most people, or uh, age sixty-seven is the full retirement age for Social Security at this point in time. Um, you know, maybe there's another milestone in your mind. Um, you know, if you've got a pension that starts at, I don't know, age fifty-five or, or something like that, that that could be a good milestone if you haven't gone through the the uh, retirement planning exercise. Yeah, I think like what where that comes from, where we think about that is if we were to be retired and um you know I were to die, that wouldn't financially impact my wife and kids. In fact, it would save them some money probably, right? Um and so oh, I, I wouldn't I, <laughs> Well, I mean, you know. Um so there doesn't seem to be a need to maintain the policy beyond retirement, right? I mean, you could, but it, 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 again, at that point, it's not really serving its purpose. Its purpose is to, you know, provide insurance against you, um, essentially, you know, um, not being able to earn income because you passed. And but, you know, during retirement, you know, the plan is not to earn income, and the part is to live off of your your retirement. Um, savings and portfolio. So, you know, I think if, yeah, no, knowing like when you plan to retire is definitely, a I think, a, a helps kind of figure out maybe how long of a term you need. Um, but I do think pretty quickly, you probably start thinking about what well, we talk about maybe like 
having multiple policies because the, the tricky part is right. Like let's say you're planning on retiring at 65, right? And let's say you're 40 or whatever. So you're 25 years, right? Um, as soon as you retire, you don't need the policy at all. You don't need any money, right? The day before you retire, you know, if you were to die, you really don't need the entire policy either, right? Five years before before you were supposed to retire, if you were to die, you don't need the entire amount. You need a smaller amount. So the, the, the idea is that like, if you were to retire, sorry, if you were to pass very, very far from retirement, yeah, you actually need quite a bit amount of money because that's how much of money you might have earned and otherwise saved. But as you reach closer to retirement and, you know, if you followed kind of whatever plan that you had set, um, the amount of money you would need to kind of replace that, that income that's lost is smaller and smaller. And so the concept of having a, a single amount to cover the entire period from, you know, now until you retires doesn't fit very well. Right. Like, you know, you might expect to earn, you know, let's say a million dollars over the next 20 years or maybe $2 million over the next two years, uh, you know, 20 years, but you know, you don't need, $2 million if you die just a year before retirement, because presumably you've already earned most of that $2 million. So um, that's where I think we could talk about like how you might kind of have multiple policies and kind of have them overlap so that, you know, you have kind of a greater benefit amount earlier. Um, and then as you get closer to retirement, the benefit amount that you have is much smaller and therefore your premium is also much smaller. Yeah, lo I love that. That's uh, that's known as laddering uh, a term policy where you've got uh, maybe a, a in your example, maybe you've got a, a 25 year uh, policy um, and maybe a 15 year policy. Um, and if, if you know, obviously, like you say, over time, the need declines because you're getting closer and closer to that goal. You've accumulated those assets and, and you're, you know, the dollars uh, aren't, aren't necessarily uh, needed. So, yeah, why just buy a full, again, $2 million policy for 25 years when you can just um, buy, uh, you know, you'll see the, this, the, the difference in, in, in cost savings there. Um, I'm surprised. Are there no are there no policies that actually offer that? Like, do you really have to buy? You know, I don't know what people do, but like, it, you have to buy all these individual policies. Is there really no product out there today that that does something like this? Where you know, um, it just automatically. Where yeah, you could just define. You, yeah, you could define like okay, from you know year now till five years from now it's this amount and then year five and then it just prices it all in as like one kind of policy like that seems sort of ideal um i guess it gives you a little bit less flexibility as a policy holder right because if if you have multiple policies you can choose to stop paying one at any time and you can just kind of cancel it obviously you've whatever you paid into it you don't get back or anything like that but maybe you lose some of that flexibility but it seems it seems somewhat simpler than trying to i mean i don't know creating a ladder for 25 years or something seems kind of onerous to me yeah yeah and i think there's a uh so so i i don't know the exact i have not found a a product out there there may be there may be but i have nothing has come across my desk that i've searched out uh where i've been able to see that that they they do in a laddering for you um as soon as you ask that question, my, my cynical mind goes to, well, it's less revenue for the insurance companies. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, again, why hasn't a startup come up with something? Um, I think there is actually a, a, a startup called Ladder, uh, Ladder Life. 
I, yeah, I, I guess don't know if the concept there, if, of laddering is probably more of an advanced thing. It's probably not something a typical policy, a typical policyholder probably doesn't have multiple policies, at least not, you know, they might have one through their employer and then one that they bought, but they probably don't have, they probably haven't purchased multiple, you know, um, for, for this purpose per se. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's important though, because I think, if you don't, you're really kind of overpaying, you're overbuying insurance or, or you're, or you're not getting enough, right? Sometimes it's just, there's some, it's just, you're not, you're not being able, you're not matching the benefit size to like the, the need that you that will have and your need changes over time. Presumably, like if you're, if you're actually getting closer to your goal and saving more money than the amount that you, that is needed to, to make up the difference if you were to pass just gets smaller and smaller. And the, but but that's not how life insurance works. Like you, you get a policy, right? You have it has a fixed benefit amount. Is it in, is it in, is it um adjusted for inflation? I don't recall if if they're typically adjusted for inflation. Or uh, not. Th- there can be certain policies mm. that adjust. Yeah, but anyway, typically it's just a single benefit amount, mm-hmm. and then a fixed payment amount, a fixed per month or per yep. year, and you just mm-hmm. keep paying that for until the end of the term. And you know, if you if you were to pass in during that term, you get the benefit amount. If you don't pass in that term. And it's just you can you stop paying, um, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a lot more straightforward than again all of the the convoluted contracts you can you can draft up on the whole life uh, side of things. Um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to talk about uh, again the need. Um, so so th- the way you you know there's the need based approach where you go and say, you know, it's a very holistic, you, you look to see how much money you need in order to retire and not just retirement. Uh, maybe there's other goals. You want to buy a house. Uh, you want to go, you know, take these trips and, and do all of these other things. Like that would be the needs based approach would be based on all of these different goals. You add up all of the, the sum of money that you may need uh, based on the amount of income that you, you have or expected to earn plus the growth of your your um, your savings over time, and then uh, you 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 discount that back to today's dollars, and that's how you come up with um, the the need. And like you say, that that need will evolve over time. So um, I you know in some of the analysis that I do with clients, it will go out to okay, fast forward ten years. Okay, what does that look like? And then we can kind of see okay, well instead of it being two million, maybe it's um, you know one point two million or something like that. Or maybe the McMathy, maybe it's it's. Uh, one million, and so okay. Well, maybe we need a a, a million dollar for ten years, and then uh, another million for for twenty five or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a way to do it. Um, another way is uh, the income based approach, which is not looking at um, it, it, all all it's doing in that approach is simply saying, okay, you plan to work between you know in your example, age forty to sixty five, so another twenty five years. Uh, how much are you planning to earn over that period of time? Um, and then we just discount that back to today's dollars. And so that's a, a, a more simplified version. And so I know a lot of uh, folks have, have, have um, in a popular way of doing that is just to say, okay, we'll multiply your your earnings by ten, like ten times your earnings, and and that should be the the rough rule of thumb. Um, yeah, where, I mean, does, that, where does ten come from? I mean, doesn't it depend on you know, how many more years are you planning to work? Yeah, yeah, I, that that for whatever reason that's I don't know the origin of that, but that's always just ten times the rule, uh, ten times your 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 uh, income. Uh, just seems to be. Uh, I'll have to look that up. See why why they came up with that number. I'm sure a quick uh, Google search can can uncover it's that. Nice, but. it's a nice round number, and I've been insurance brokers found that to be a good way to kind of stretch people or something like that. Or you know, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't sound like yeah. a, a ton, but again, it's um, 
if it's if, if you're very very early in your career and you have very little savings then maybe it's not as it's not as much but again if you're, if you're very close to retirement then yeah that doesn't much. make sense yeah to, to do yeah exactly so um yeah in some clients cases where we gone through the needs-based approach they came to me with this this rule of thumb and they say, oh, okay, I think I need this much. We go through the more comprehensive route and, and sometimes they say, oh, wow, that's actually pretty darn close. Um, other times, like you say, it's like way, way off. So it uh, really just depends. But yeah, I mean, a good, yeah, another good way of, of doing it is just multiplying out how many years at, at what income. It can be hard to estimate what your income is going to be like, especially if you're, you know, still uh kind very of early in your career very early yeah. or, or or maybe you've got variable pay um you know maybe you don't want to live you know we don't want to work in this particular industry or this job for for forever uh so so there can be some dynamics there but i think close approximations are, are fine um and, and just to have some and there's definitely the the, the ability to, to be overinsured like you're saying and so um i also want to detail two other ways that that folks uh um may may look at the need so uh, another way would be uh looking at um you know, how much in debt you may have if if any um and if you don't have any debt uh plus what amount you want your uh, partner or whoever's dependent on your income how many years uh, because y- you know if we if we look at that needs-based approach or that that income-based approach um I think those needs are largely based on what life, if, if you continued, if, if the people around you continued life as it were uh, uh, without you being there. And, and quite frankly, that's not realistic. Uh, life would likely look a lot different. Um, some of those joint goals may not happen. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, adopting or having a child, um, buying a bigger home, um, you know, just, just things would look a lot different. Yeah. And they may want to live somewhere else or, you know, um, yeah, exactly. I think it's, that's why I I do think it's important to obviously, if you're, whoever you're providing for, um, I mean, especially if it's a, if it's a partner or spouse, like having discussion of like, you know, not 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 say everyone would have a, a a great idea or a super clear idea what they would do, but just to kind of think through a little bit, like what would they do, what would their expenses be if 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 you were to pass, would it be similar, would it be drastically different, either more or less, and thinking about what do you want to you know provide for in that time period, and um, yeah, I think it is trying to. You know, imagine yourself kind of on on your deathbed and like what 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 would you feel where you felt like okay like my family's obviously they're gonna miss me but what what are they gonna feel well how what's gonna make them comfortable um and you know where would i not not regret not buying enough or or something like that um nice i like it we, this is the, this is the route this is i think the the first thing they tell you to in insurance sales class you know make sure to paint that vivid picture yeah of, on your for, the, for the client yeah <laughs> don't you want to leave your spouse 10 million dollars yeah be the, be the hero yeah, yeah here just yeah. buy this policy totally right right exactly yeah it's uh and then some some folks are like oh i'm worth more dead than i am alive and and you know that old joke but um yeah it's it's um uh, so, so, you know, when, when you look at what, what, yeah, like you say, you have that conversation when you look at uh, how many years you may want to, now this is a lower level of coverage, of course, but it, it's better than nothing. And it's another way of just kind of, oh, I don't want to, if you look at a $2 million policy or, or even the laddering and you're like, wow, that's, that's quite a lot. Um, you know, is there, is there another way of, of, of looking at it and maybe 
um, you know, that, that feels like overkill and, and maybe it's not, we've already proved it. It's not, but okay, let's, let's maybe try to find another number. And so again, it's at the very least covering your debts. So maybe you get enough to cover your debts plus, uh, a year or two, uh, hopefully two or maybe even three years of living expenses so that, uh, there can be this transitionary period, um, so that, uh, you know, whoever you're providing for has that, that kind of off ramp some way. And so uh, it could be uh, looking at your expenses and um, maybe discounting them by uh, 15 rather than five, zero 50. Uh, there's just certain expenses that are just going to continue regardless. Um, I mean, the classical is like, like landscaping and, and pool or, or, you know, stuff like that, that, you know, those are just going to continue even if you've got one or, 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 you know, you know, multiple people. So um, 15%, and then uh, similarly, where we discount those numbers back to today. Um, and so you may find in that analysis, oh, maybe it's uh, three to $500,000 that you'll need to pay off maybe a, a student loan or an auto loan, or, or maybe the, the rest of the mortgage is 500000 and and maybe you need to add those two numbers up. And so you're at 800000 So that's a lot less than, than the $2 million mark. Um, and, and then the, the, the last way that I typically walk clients through is just, well, at the very least, let's make sure you're covering the debts. Like that to me is the most baseline. Uh, ideally, the, the the one I just mentioned might be more preferred, but that could be a, a super baseline so that, uh, again, if, if your partner or your family doesn't, you know, they don't necessarily have to, maybe they don't have the same earning potential as you do and uh, won't be able to, you know, won't have to sell the house immediately upon uh, your passing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think those are those are good, and you can still use the same uh, whether it be the 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 duration of the the debt of how how much longer it is, um, or again till that point in which you're you're retiring. So you know you may still have a, a mortgage in retirement, but again you have all of the assets needed to to cover that. Um, I think the only thing I would add too is you know I think what when you kind of start getting quotes, you start talking about that, when you start getting quotes. You usually have to set like a kind of a I don't like an I like an, like a desired kind of policy amount, but um, when you kind of go through the underwriting process, um, you can often kind of get a, a, a multiple quotes at different sort of benefit amounts. So you don't necessarily have to decide what benefit you you know the payout amount up front, and you can kind of wait until you see like how much are the quotes costing, and you know that you know that might really make this some decisions a lot easier, right? If the, if the insurance is a lot cheaper than you expected then you know you can afford to, to buy more of it if you want um and it's not as hard of a decision it's obviously when it's quite expensive then it then it then every you know then these decisions are obviously more painful and cost more money um so i think kind of get quotes and you can kind of find the exact kind of desired amount that you need yeah, there is um, there is a website that um, I, I have been using just to get rough figures uh, when I um, whether I just needed to do something real quick or I didn't have access to the the, the tools I normally use. Um, it's free. It's called LifeHappens.org. dot uh, That's a good way to 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 just do a, a quick uh, estimate of um, what your needs based. Uh, uh, life insurance uh, could look like. So, um, yeah, maybe we, we talk further about, uh, okay, so we've identified uh, whether it be one of the four different methods, the needs-based, the income-based, uh, maybe it's covering your debts plus uh, uh, an X amount of 
years worth of, of living expenses or just your debts. Um, you've got that. You, you also know the term, roughly speaking, which is, you know, again, however many years until retirement. Uh, where do you go? You've got both of those. Where do you go to get a policy? Um, do you go directly through uh, maybe, you know, there's a, a life insurance company that you know of and you go directly through them? I mean, you could do that. Uh, there are also other companies out there that operate in a low cost. You know, do you run out to a, an insurance agent? Maybe there's a friend or family member that you may know. Uh, you could do that as well. Um, it's always good to get different quotes. But there are companies out there that do uh, do this for you on your behalf, and you just have to enter a, a handful of, of details. But yeah, curious. Uh, you've gone through this process. Um, how, you know, where did you go, and and how was that? Yeah, I think I first. Um... I'm familiar with the term for sale.com, which is uh, they provide um, quotes based on very basic information. Things like, and they're not, I, they wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're quotes because they, you have to kind of follow the underwriting thing, but you can get a rough idea of cost. Um, you can enter in your birth date, your, you know, um, where you live and amount of insurance, and it gives you kind of a rough idea of what companies provide this type of product. Um, and the hardest part, though, I think is is uh understanding what your sort of health uh what do they call it here the minimum uh describe your health your, your oh, okay your classification right and how they um, may rate you right because these for these ones at least these ones all require you to kind of go through a, a health screening and then they will kind of bucket you into at least there's these four categories average above average excellent exceptional and obviously the prices can differ quite a, substantially between them um and so you don't really, you won't really know what you're kind of going to get until you kind of go through that process. Um, but that's, it's, it's one way to kind of get really quick, like rough ideas of, of kind of the range of costs. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely recommend going through like a broker and where, so I, we went, went through uh, policy genius. Um, I, I think it was a great experience. Um, what I liked about it was that we did like a health screening um, that they paid for. So we did one time and then we got quotes from multiple providers just based on that one health screening. So we didn't have to go through the health screening multiple times or for every company we wanted a quote from, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, Policy Genius is a good one um, to, to go on to. They have, um, so the term for sale, they, they very quickly, if you know kind of roughly where you're at, that's, it's great. You just do these quick, quick, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Five to seven different entries here. Um, uh, policy genius allows you to go through and, and answer a little, a few more questions related to your health to, to help for them to help diagnose where you may be, but ultimately it comes down to the rank process. And, and, um, actually even through policy genius, they show you, Hey, this one requires, uh, because of based on this amount, it requires you to go through the medical underwriting process, or this one does not. Some, there are some providers that don't, uh, and some, some, uh, uh, amounts that you don't have to go through that process, which can be very invasive. Um, big, uh, elements, uh, so, uh, heads up here. So if you, um, working with a broker can be very helpful when, uh, if you have any sort of health, health concern whatsoever, the, the, so, so there is like a central, I, I forget what it's exactly called, but there is like a central database where, uh, let's say you, um, went to one provider, one insurance provider, and, and you went through that process and, and they gave you a quote and it was, pretty terrible and a very high cost. 
um, in order to prevent consumers, uh, it seems like they're all in cahoots, unfortunately, but in order to prevent consumers from just going, you know, figuratively down the, the road and just going and getting quotes uh, from another one and just answering the questions differently, mm. um, you know, and, and or, or maybe it's many years in the future or whatever it is, and, and, and you've gotten better. Uh, this all of this stuff is recorded in a central uh, database that it's it's anonymized uh, so so it's it's not like people can just willy-nilly pull your medical records obviously there's a lot of regulation around that but it just allows uh just, just some transparency for for their end because it's at the end of the day unfortunately it's a business decision and you know they're, they're in it to make for profit companies but um the reason i talk about the broker is that uh if, if you think you might have any you know talking through um this different these the, the medical concerns uh, if you're comfortable uh, a lot of them may have experienced uh oh you know what maybe we wait until you know i don't i don't i don't have an example off the top of my head but maybe until you're done with the procedure or you're you're through you maybe your blood pressure is a little lower something like that where um they can help walk you through rather than pushing forward and then you get rated and then from there it's like almost an irrevocable uh you know you're just kind of classified as as poor health and there can be some surprises too um just just things that that they're asking about that uh you know i've heard i think a big one is like just mental health in general Um, yeah i mean not not all of his health questions too i remember answering questions about like doing extreme sports like that, no, it wasn't skydiving, but um, uh, like scuba diving was one that I asked about. Um, so, you know, if you do any kind of high risk activities, um, you know, consider not doing them for a little while. I, I don't know how far back they look, maybe the last year or two years. Um, you know, smoking, they look back very far. But if you ever need a reason to not never start smoking, uh, getting life insurance quotes is, is a good one because you'll really quickly see how, how, um, the difference in price between a smoker and a non-smoker and it's because of the cost of you know supporting and better you know estimated cost of paying out for a smoker mm-hmm. unfortunately so mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i think obviously be truthful but i think your your um, advice of talking to a broker i think is because timing can can help can can matter um for sure yeah and, and not to mention the thing we, we none of us can control is our age so obviously it goes without saying that the earlier you get it uh, the lower the cost uh, the mortality risk is lower um and, and also uh you know typically speaking again i don't have the, the numbers in front of me but women live longer than men um so so it's not uncommon to see price points uh, vastly different even though the, the the numbers are the same um the other thing I did, uh, so there's a couple things I wanted to mention. Um, uh, don't discount, let, let's say you've got a, a primary breadwinner in the family, and then you've got somebody that, that maybe is working more part-time, maybe you're taking care of the children. Um, th- this is something that, you know, if you, if you just base it on the, the income that they generate, obviously that's a, that's a big one. Um, but also, what about their contrib- contributions to the family? And if, if that person was not in the picture, uh, what, you know, the cost of, of childcare or, uh, you know, c- covering, a, maybe it's a, an elderly a family member. I mean, those are 
can be very very expensive so so don't forget to, to include all of that in your um your overall projections and then you could just use you know again general general numbers of like what it would look like per hour or you know, babysitter or nanny or um having somebody come out you know at home care that sort of stuff so that's a big one yeah um, I think that's a really good point i think you know people kind of fix it on income but i think it's about it's really is what is the difference between your income and your expenses now right and then what how does that change if what if one of you were to pass right like yeah maybe your income would stay the same but like you said maybe your expenses will go away up and so you need something to to supplement that or to kind of help um, alleviate that so that's a really good point yeah yeah and it, it, and again there's some nuance here like for example if your kids are i don't know five or four or something like that and it's like well you're not going to need that all the way you know that that level of care is in terms of your numbers all the way through your retirement obviously uh, until your retirement maybe it's you know again whatever people are comfortable where they're able to you know the kids are able to look after themselves i don't know if that's 10 or 12 or, or 13 or whatever it is but um you know that that's just one slice of it but but obviously that's that can be that can really drive up the cost uh, especially when these nice numbers kind of pop out and whatever tools that you may be looking on online um the, the other thing i was going to say is just the different types of companies that are out there um you know such as policy genius there's a company called ethos life there's a company called ladder life um you know you mentioned term for sale um nerd wallet also points to different types of um life insurance carriers um there's there's all sorts of different ones out there that that operate in a um unfortunately insurance is a very it's it's, it's much like uh, the rest of the financial industry it's it's a, a very a slow moving and archaic process where they need an agent uh to to pay premiums or sorry pay commissions to um and it's just it's it's just a different distribution model than you would say you know for example buying goods on amazon or whatever so um you know having a a tech forward approach on this where they're able to kind of do a lot of the interfacing and like you said maybe you just have one medical underwriting pr uh, process and then they're able to farm that out to multiple different carriers so that they can get you can get a quote uh from each one of them and and there might be some stand away uh, winners in, in that comparison rather than going to each, uh, individual carrier. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's big. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So I think that covers a lot of what I wanted to share on life insurance. Um, you know, I guess the other thing I wanted to say is, uh, just to button that up would be a group versus uh, private policy. Um, you know, there I have seen on either way. So I've seen group policies uh, be head and shoulders, depending on your 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 overall rating. So your health, uh, group policy can be very very uh, advantageous. Um, even within a group policy, you can still have a medical underwriting. So hmm. uh, that's worth noting. Uh, and you may have uh, it, there may be a certain threshold uh, whether you go through your employee when you go through your employee benefits your open enrollment period which is typically you know end of third quarter beginning of fourth quarter for most most, most companies um, usually somewhere in that flow of selecting benefits you can uh, move the dial and say okay okay now if, if I did four times my salary then I have to go through that process versus not um, let's say you're generally healthy um, the group policy because they're they have to take in a lot of different folks in in the consideration the maybe the private policy might be the better way to go um and i've also had some some clients just uh, do a mix of both 
and maybe they've got uh, maybe it's a third or half of their coverage through a group, and then maybe they also have an individual policy that they have for a period of time. Um, so when you say group, that's typically offered by like an employer, right? Or like yes, this, yeah. I think so. Something to think about that obviously is uh, like, can you can you continue it if you leave the company? Can you continue paying? Very good point. Price because I don't know how that works. I mean, I, my, my employer, I think past employers have provided kind of, um, some life insurance, but it's, it's free essentially. I mean, maybe, maybe it's somewhat taxable, but, um, I don't pay anything to it. And so if I were to leave the company, I, I don't have any expectation that I, um, you know, would continue to receive it, but also I don't feel so bad because I haven't been paying premiums on it and stuff like that. So I do wonder if you've been paying premiums, um, to some sort of group policy through your employer, how does that work? work like do you, can you continue paying for it afterwards does your does your does your effective like premium kind of go up because the employer's not subsidizing and i guess i can really depend i suppose but um curious yeah as to how it that works yeah yeah so so you're right the the issue of portability is is it can be a really big concern for folks um and so yeah if you're paying the premium or even if you're not paying the premium uh if you leave that job there typically is part of that the, the the process is uh, you can reach out to or they'll they'll provide you. Hopefully, they provide you information on how to continue that policy. But importantly, they will likely uh, make you go through a similar process as you would if you're obtaining. I mean, because it's a private policy, so oh, so you kind of um, go through the underwriting process again. Go through the underwriting process, and that that pricing may be vastly different, especially if yeah, like you know if you've went with some portion of your coverage is, is that group, the employer benefit coverage, um, or, or that you're paying through your paycheck and it's 10, 15 years down the road. And you also had that private policy. I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if you had, uh, you know, you go back into the private marketplace and now things are much, much different. So yeah, there definitely is a risk. If you wanted to be completely certain and, and covered. Yeah. I think the, the private, uh, method is, 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 uh, you know, there's definitely a risk there of, of, um, you know, re repricing in the future or, or not having portability at all. So, um, that, that's definitely a concern, but m most of the time, a lot of, a lot of my clients are, are really focused on, okay, you know, I, I, I know this is, you know, you're telling me this is important. I'll go out and do it. Uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much on this, uh, what works. So we, we come up with something that, Again, maybe it's not that full two million. Maybe it's five hundred. Maybe it's you know seven hundred or something like that, where that makes uh, more sense in their budget for them. Um, yeah, that was uh, kind of a tangent that I guess that it was important to say. Um, maybe then we shift our attention to uh, disability and yeah. the remaining remaining sure. time we have left. Um, yeah. So speaking of employer benefit, this is a, a really big one for a lot of folks. And uh, it, when you think about it, I think I, I don't again, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe the, the probability of, of having some form of disability is, you know, when you're when you're a little bit younger, uh, in some cases could be higher than your mortality risk. And so. Uh, there's there could be a higher claim of uh, you know say if you got an accident uh, and you needed to take time off and you know what is what is exactly going to help you weather that storm um, first and foremost and, and we've been chatting about this I think for a number of episodes but having a, a, a sufficient emergency fund 
uh, whether that be six months, uh, uh, you know, or three to 12 months, something along those lines uh, is, is super important. Um, but, but also that's what, when, depending on the event and your ability or, or inability to work, continue to work and do your job, you may qualify for short and or long-term disability. So um, most of my clients, not every, obviously the self-employed ones do not, uh, but have some form that they can elect through their employer. And so my typical recommendation is to have roughly 60 to 70% of your income being replaced uh, through a policy uh, and, and making sure that the short-term policy lines up with the long-term policy, the long-term disability policy. And so maybe it's helpful to talk through like when is typically short, when is mm-hmm. typically long-term. Um Roughly speaking, I'd say six months. Um, maybe you've got a, a short-term policy that doesn't kick in until the first 60 or 90 days, and then it goes all the way out to 180 days. So maybe again, it's a really short period of time, um, and then 180 days, and then maybe uh, there are some policies, some long-term policies where if you if you are qualify for long-term disability. Um, Maybe it doesn't just go from that six months, you know, for a couple of years. It could go again, depending on the policy, all the way until you're age sixty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on how they write the policy. Not only that, but again, what is the definition of disability? So, uh, yeah, I think that, that's that's the tricky part. It's not like a life insurance where if you're dead and you're dead, didn't commit suicide. I think that is important. That's a, that's you, a big one. Yep. Yeah. If you don't, you, you don't cover suicide, but if you, if you're dead and you don't commit suicide, paid out, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty cut and dry. Yep. Yeah. Whereas disability, I, there's a lot more criteria and stuff. And my understanding actually is that it's not, it's not whether or not you can do the job that you were doing. Cause maybe you were in some sort of profession where you were earning a high income, I think you may have some disability where you can't perform that job anymore, but you still may be able to do something else completely different, but the earning power may be way smaller. And uh, I don't know what the, co- the coverage doesn't is not to provide you. I don't know. I, I, I usually it's not, it doesn't provide you that level of benefit if you're able to earn something, right? Or it's uh, maybe you can speak more to that, but it's uh, to, if you you shouldn't expect to to receive the the same level of income if you're still able to conduct some job, I believe. Yeah, so I'll I'll talk about the the most uh, uh, clear example uh, that I can I can think of, which is uh, maybe you're a surgeon and you require the use of your hands. And something, you know, if, let's say you get in an accident and you're not able to utilize your hands, um, you know, for some period of time while the, you know, you're, you're recovering. Um, yeah, the, depending on the definition of, of disability, it could be your own occupation of being a surgeon. Mm. So that's, that's, a, that's an important one. Uh, that, that would be most important. Or, yeah, if you can still maybe use, uh, you know, a mouse and keyboard um, and maybe you're able to do another job, maybe it's more of a back office thing, uh, that would be, you know, sort of any occupation uh, definition. So that is a lot less costly from a, from a month-to-month perspective, but obviously a lot less uh useful because uh you know your in earning potential could be vastly different between those two roles right uh you right. know or or if you can go and yeah social security is is famous for 
it's infamous uh, for having a very, very uh, broad, uh, obviously very, very strict definition of disability. So uh, you, you have to, in order to qualify for that safety net, you have to be um, uh, in pretty rough shape. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, the, that's, I think the, the most important thing is to go and see what, uh, the definition is, and um, it, it really depends by employer to employer. It's it's uh, it could be you know maybe they're just it, maybe it's a smaller company and it's any occupation, and uh, others it could be an own occupation. So the, the better one. So yeah, go and find that. Also figure out there's a there's a what's called a a waiting period um, where you have to uh, you have to make sure that you still are uh disabled for that period of time so typically it's like 90 days 60 to 90 days something like that where uh you know maybe you'll just have short-term leave or something um a lot of my clients have got a continuation of their salary for some period of time or maybe they use uh vacation time or maybe there's a specific you know type of of sick leave that they're able to take um in the meantime and so that's when uh yeah that's when you know you kind of use those days and then you use your emergency fund um but even even if you uh satisfy all of these different milestones uh again it's it's not going to be 100 percent of your salary that's going to be given to you so uh there, there's a that's a moral dilemma if 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 the, you know there's no incentive for you to get better so that's why it's usually a, a smaller amount to make sure you're able to cover your, your bills um the other thing i'll say too is is generally speaking if you have a a disability that goes into the long term, uh, it, it qualifies for long term. So we're talking about six months plus typically. That is one where you know a lot of the other financial goals that you may have may have to change because this seems like it might be again it's a long term event. So um, I, I would be too you know some some of my clients are, are very fearful about that and and obviously it's just a matter of percentages and statistics and that's you know what what the uh the insurance company does and runs all those numbers but um you know i, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put i wouldn't be too worried about that it's good to have the coverage again 60 to 70 percent make sure everything's lined up um but you know things things will have to evolve at that point you, you can't we can't bank everything on on uh you know or change the entire financial plan because of of, of that that challenge mm-hmm uh, and I think the other, the only last thing I'll have to say on this one, unless you have any other points, is um, just a, a quick one, which is depending on who pays the insurance. So a lot of companies, they'll pay or they'll cover a certain percentage or maybe all of it, and in, in, in the good ones at least. Um, it depends on who pays the coverage, uh, as, as it would be taxable. So in other words, mm. if the employer pays the, the premiums every month, then those benefits that do get paid out to you are taxable to you. So you have to pay tax. Um, and then if, if you pay the premiums, then they are not taxable to you. So um, some, I've, I've even had some clients who have the option to select whether they want th- them to pay or, or the employer to pay. So hmm. uh, I, I, yeah, if you're in that case, I, I typically say let the employer, employer pay. 
So yeah, I mean, you can you can always <laughs> buy more and on your own, I guess, with the savings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so there there may yeah exactly depending on the definition and the amount, there may also maybe caps that they have where uh, it usually go up to like maybe it's seventy five or some uh, seventy five hundred or ten thousand or something some monthly amounts or some weekly amounts, and so you also might have to do the numbers too. Like oh wait, I actually make more than that. And that's not covering 60 to 70%. Maybe that only covers half or a third or something like that. So there may be a need above and beyond that to um, get a disability policy. Um, and, and you can do that process through, again, a lot of the other companies we talk. I know Policy Genius allows that where you're able to, to go through a broker and, and check out different rates and, and see the coverage options and dial up the, the waiting period or dial down that, the, the amount of coverage, and, you know, the, the definition and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Those two broad topics uh, can have so much nuance. You know, your earning potential can change a lot um, depending on the disability and but your the expenses to support yourself could could stay the same or even increase. Right. You know, especially if you have some really um, tragic disability. So I think that's something that just to be aware of. Um, and yeah, if you're if, if your employer offers it, that's great. But you definitely look into the details and the nuance to figure out what does it cover, what does it not cover and consider uh, purchasing your own or supplemental if, if you need it. Yeah, great. Yep. Yep, definitely. Uh, again, there's a lot. There's a lot here. Um, it, it's good if this is the first time you're even thinking about it. I'm I'm glad that you know we're bringing this up. Um, you don't have to know. You don't have to be an expert in any. I, I think that's hopefully one of the takeaways from from if, if you're uh, if you listen to several of our episodes or all of our episodes is uh, my hope and and I'll speak for Lauren as well is that um, you know th- this helps you think about these different elements and, and maybe you start to research them a little bit more or, um, you know, you, again, you hear something and it just sparks the, the, the thought and you don't necessarily have to be an expert or remember every single thing that we say. Um, you know, there are definitely events where it could, could make sense to hire somebody to, to help you with all this but stuff. But, uh, you know, th- there's, more, there's a plethora of information out there that you can find on your own. And it's just a matter of, of trying to see if it applies uh, to you. So um, uh, same thing said uh, here in life insurance or disability. Um, there are brokers out there and, and not all of them are bad. Um, you know, a lot of them are very knowledgeable. And um, just as long as you know, uh, you know, some of the, how much you may need and, and, and not, not get oversold. And, and again, the, the major difference between whole life and term life. So um yeah. Anyways, curious about your experiences uh, in, in any of those those two domains or or anything else for that matter. Uh, feel free to to send us uh, drop us a line at uh, feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Um, I think in the future, uh, maybe not necessarily be the next episode, but uh, another fun topic uh, that that really is for for a lot of folks on the heels of life insurance is uh, estate planning. So, what are some of the documents that you may need, um, and uh, you know, just just how do you even think about it? Um, you know, what what should be the process? I feel overwhelmed. Uh, I don't have anything at all. Uh, don't worry, we'll we'll cover. Uh, obviously, the huge caveat: we're not lawyers, but uh, we'll, we'll cover some of the basics and and what you may. Uh, want to consider. So uh, thanks everybody for your time today and and, and look forward to uh, next time. Take care.
We're a new podcast, and it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcasts app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We'd like to hear from you. Is there a topic you're interested in? Have feedback more generally? Email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks, and see you next time.